Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jenna O'Neill. And this is a podcast about all of the dumb things that people do for love. Hey, did you notice what I said? I said Jenna O'Neill. I did. I was going to ask you if you were going to say that. You know what? I think I am. I like it. I'm going to start going by Jen O'Neill. I've already started doing it in comedy, and I'm I'm officially making the switch over on the podcast. So welcome, everybody. My name is Jen O'Neill. Welcome to episode 139. The, this is Sally Jen, Brooks and Jen, Jen O'Neill. O'Neill. Same name I've had since I was a babe. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. I like it, too. Yeah. I like uh, it. I'm legally keeping Smiths because I want to have the same name as my children. Yeah. But I I like the fresh start. I like the gender y'all. Back to the yeah. basics. Know what I mean, yep. bro? <laughs> <laughs> Something's different about you. Oh, it's my it name. <laughs> it's one third shorter. <laughs> I love it. What's your middle name? Um, well, it was Anne. And then I legally changed my name to O'Neill, like my oh, I, middle name to O'Neill. Yeah, I changed yeah. it to Jen Jennifer O'Neill Smith, and then um, I had the choice, you know, during all the filing, if I wanted to change my name legally back to um, Jennifer Ann O'Neill. But I really, I wanted to have the same last name as my kids. It's yeah. just it's my thing. But for comedy and just for life, I think I'm gonna go by Jen O'Neill again. Do it. Hey, guys, remember me? It's me. <laughs> it's the same Jen, but new and different. <laughs> but also the same as a long time ago. Yep. <laughs> How are you I'm doing? Back, baby. I'm good. How are you? I'm sitting here chugging coffee at 5.49. Oh, my God. It's going to be a long night. <laughs> it's been a long day. It's going to be a long night. We're in it for the long haul. How are you? Oh, man. I, you know, it is, uh, it's beautiful in Georgia. The Like, my flowers are blooming. It is, I mean, it is gorgeous weather here. And with that comes, holy shit, allergies. <laughs> yeah. And why do I forget about that every year? Every- why am I like, oh, I have got a cold. I feel t- so tired. My head feels like somebody's sitting on it. And then my throat's itchy. My eyes itchy. And I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> I thought <laughs> I had caught that, that hot, hot Disney COVID. Yeah. I was like, surely I got COVID down there. I like, but then I, I took some, t- I don't have COVID. It's allergies. I just, yeah, you just Same. forget. Like Max and I both have been like sneezing, coughing all week, but it's not like it's, it's different from like a, a head cold. Like it's just, I was like, oh, it just is like persistent. It does not getting worse. And then I, when the itching start, I was like, oh, right. Yeah. I was sitting outside at a coffee shop working the other day and I just saw like, you know, the like pollen floating through the air and was like, right, right, right. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. Those dogwoods, they're pretty, but they're bitches. Yeah, they're gorgeous, but man. Hey, I got some um, listener feedback uh, this 
You did? This week, yeah. Talked to a couple of listeners, which is always fun and great. One of our listeners, Jennifer Trandell, you can find her on Instagram as The Botanical Journey. Um, She actually reached out to us to say that, you know, she was great that we, she thought it was great that we had mentioned all of the different charities that you could reach out to and support in the Ukraine right now. But she also wanted to share a really great one that she had uh, learned about, which is helping animals that are in crisis. Oh, okay. Yeah, because, you know, because, you know, sadly, everybody is fleeing. A lot of the animals have been left behind. Right. I know. It's so heartbreaking. Um, So some of she sent me this post that had um, a link to some really great charities. One is called Happy Paw. You can Uh find them at happy underscore paw on Instagram. Another one called You Animals, uh, which is at youanimals.official. And another one called Shelter Agolyuk, which is at shelter underscore Agolyok, which is spelled U-G-O-L-O-Y-O-K. So um, those are just some charities that you can reach out to if you um, are so inclined and if you want to help the animals in Ukraine right now. That's Um, awesome. Thank you, Jennifer. Yeah. Thanks, Jennifer. And then another listener uh, reached out. I, I don't know if you follow me on Instagram or not, but I'm constantly like when I have to make show posters they're mm-hmm. terrible, and it's kind of a running joke right now that I don't know how to make posters, so it'll be just like a black screen with white letters saying, come to this place. Yeah. Uh, and so <laughs> uh, um, Parker Hughes reached out to me, which is super awesome, and she said that she's a big fan of the podcast, and she's a media designer, so if anybody needs some media design, she said she can help. She's at par. Kerr Hughes on Instagram. So Parker Hughes, reach out to her if you guys need some social media help like I do. I will definitely be using her. <laughs> I love that. I know. Um, See, well, I, our listeners I a, got her back. I, know, I had a listener reach out who's also a friend of mine, and she was like, I'm listening to 137, and I'm blown away. Do you want to know what she was blown away by? Yeah. She was blown away that I chose cheddar to add to your spaghetti. See? <laughs> I was trying to be chill about it. She's like, I thought for sure at least it was be mozzarella. <laughs> <laughs> and then she asked me if it was good. And I was like, it's Romano. Well, you know, maybe we all need to try the cheddar. Maybe we'll find that we like it. You know, it's like the people that the first person that made a barbecue pizza, I'm sure people are like, what the fuck? But barbecue chicken pizza is actually pretty delicious. That's right. I'm just saying, just try it. And I'm not, I'm not out here saying it's gourmet. I'm saying it is comfort food. Okay. You have leftover spaghetti. I'm not saying put them, I'm not going to like sprinkle it over. I'm like melting it and gooing it all in. Okay. On leftover spaghetti. I will try it. Okay. I will try it. And I will get back to you. Get back to me on that one. I will. All right. Let's get into our quickies. Okay. All right. I'm first. Um, My quickie comes from a Daily Mail article by Jackie Newman. So, Jen, you know, a few weeks ago we did that story about a sex doll. Yeah. Right. That was a sexy doll. (laughs) A real sexy doll that was mistaken for a dead body. Yeah. Um, And that was like right like here in Georgia. And if you have not looked at the pictures of that episode, it's episode, I think, 137. Go to your go to our Instagram right now because we always if you don't know, we always post pictures from the stories we talk about in the show. But those pictures, I think, are especially fun um, once you hear the story. So but I was looking for a quickie today and I came across across this story and I realized that like apparently people discarding sex dolls is more of a thing 
than I realized. Really? Uh, I mean, well, they got to go somewhere, I right? guess. So I guess so for if anybody out there or is like... Or do they live forever? I mean, I think they live forever, but I don't think... I think that they outlive their like usefulness, maybe. <laughs> like, uh. I don't know. I mean, maybe people are just like, oh, I just... I'm, I'm not into it anymore. Or maybe they break. I have... I don't know. But... <laughs> If there are any of you out there who have an old ass sex doll that you need to get rid of, I just want you to know that there is an alternative to dumping it by the side of the road. So um, this artist named um, Leah Arada has started holding memorial services for sex dolls that people no longer want to use. She says that some people love them as, as, as if they were human members of their families. So she started for holding funeral services. So you can put your sex doll in, it's like in a casket, they're in burial attire, they have a garland. And then the person who presides over these memorials is this porn actress turned monk named Leigh Caddo. And um, the woman who owns the business describes her as the foremost authority on sex dolls and their owners. And she said that no one offers a more appropriate ceremony better than her. So in the funeral, which is like there are candles, there are undertakers, they even put other sex dolls like at in, in the, the audience. audience. So they're like mourning. <laughs> Oh my god, do they like dress them in all black with like that veil over their eyes? Oh my god, I want to go to one of these so bad. No, and I'm like, come on, like a um, oh my god, do they live stream these? Because I need to watch. I don't know, but they said that they're so like it seems so authentic that people have looked at the dolls and thought they were like cadavers. So, holy shit, um, like I could only pray. That when I die, I know we've said before that Steve Harvey has to be there. I want Steve Harvey to officiate my um, funeral. Yes, Offici- you want to be buried in a, a Steve Harvey uh, suit. suit. Uh, but I could only pray that it's happening next door to a sex doll funeral <laughs> at the same time. And people Jenny. have to like cry and then walk past that room. <laughs> I mean, I may bring a sex doll or two just to mourn your funeral. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so the the woman who runs this business said that, you know, she's like, some people may think that this is silly. She said there was a real need for it. She said many owners don't want them shredded as garbage. And she also said that some people fear being shamed for discarding the dolls in a dumpster or by the side of the road where they could be discovered. Um, I get also... it. It's like printer ink cartridges. Where do they go? Right. <laughs> <laughs> do we're they ever start... really get recycled? <laughs> Where do they live? I'm going to start throwing <laughs> burials for printer ink cartridges. <laughs> you served us well until the end. <laughs> Put little black veils on top of other printer ink <laughs> cartridges. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Yellow has something to say. Oh, you were there when I <laughs> you were there when I needed to print out those directions. <laughs> Back in the days of that um, quest. So <laughs> she along with throwing burials for the, the sex dolls, she also will dress people as corpses for photo shoots. 
Um, and she says she has a lot of men who cosplay as female corpses for pretend funerals. And she said, wow. um, yeah, she said of her clientele, she said their desire to change or to be accepted and loved is so strong. And this is the only place for many of them. And I want to be there for that. Hey, I, I love that. Is beautiful. I do too. I think that's great. She's found her too. niche and I'm, I'm into it. Yeah, I love it. Good I, for I think her. It's, it's great. Oh, oh man, man, I cannot. I can only hope someday to go to somebody's sex doll funeral. I, I cannot <clears throat> wait to stop recording so that I can Google and see if they live stream any of these because I've got to see this. Okay, hey Sally. Hey Jen. Are you ready for my quickie? Yes. Um, my quickie this week is something that we all love. Uh huh. And listeners have told us that they love so much. And uh-huh. so I decided to do another listicle. Woo! We love yes. a listicle. This- Man, I can just, I can see, read, uh, just who wrote us and told us he loved listicles, just jumping up and down. This one's for you, Reed. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were saying, see, I can read. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I can see a listicle. I can read a listicle. <laughs> and now I, I can, can hear feel a listicle. A listicle. Um, <laughs> thank you, Reed, with an E-I-D. Yes. Um, so this is a listicle for Insider.com written by Madison Vanderberg, and it is 11 bachelorette party horror stories that will make you want to call the whole thing off. Thank you. I love – I'm so excited for this. This is something we haven't <laughs> done before. Uh-uh. Okay, so they um, – Mandy took to Reddit and asked all of Reddit to, um, like, send in their stories of terrible bachelorette stories. Yeah. Um, do you have any terrible bachelorette stories? No, I don't. I haven't been to that many bachelorette parties. I've heard some pretty bad bachelorette stories. You want to I've, share any? <laughs> well, I I do know. I th- no. Just so you no. guys know, if you don't try to figure out who this person is, because it's not anybody that I you know that I hang out with, like in my immediate circle, it's somebody from back in the day. But I remember this person at their bachelorette party called her first love oh. and ex boyfriend and had him come so that she could sleep with him one last time before she got married. No. Yeah, they're divorced now. Yeah, but um, really, they, they're divorced. <laughs> right. But I, w- I remember being like, "Oh, I don't like oh. Mm. And I've heard like Zach has told me some pretty crazy stories about bachelor parties that he had been to, and yeah. just like really crazy things that have gone on. Uh, yeah, and uh, I've heard some. I've heard some pretty, pretty. Uh, yucky bachelor party stories, but yeah, my bachelor party. My sister, I am outing my sister on this one. <laughs> she ordered a stripper for my bachelor party. And his name, I remember his name was Steel. And he had nipple dragon <laughs> tattoos that like went around oh. like in a circle, like they were biting his nipple. No. And I um, like that. <laughs> I was not into it. But I, my sister and like my one other friend, I'm not going to out her. I will out you, Eileen. <laughs> My sister, <laughs> we're so into it, and I was yeah. just like, "Is this stripper for me or is it for you guys?" Because I was not into it. I was just very like, oh, "I'll pay you to not touch me." But um, <laughs> but um, I the funniest part about my bachelor party was, and you know, Jill. Jill is just mm-hmm. like the sweetest, most wonderful person in the whole wide world. She was at the time, I think she was a kindergarten teacher. Now she's like, um, you know, uh. 
top tiered educator and yeah very but important. she is the, I don't she's give like away the sweet demeanor of oh. a kindergarten teacher it, absolutely yes and I remember when the stripper was putting his <laughs> getting dressed and Jill was like so what's your name well, tell me about yourself <laughs> and I remember she was like so I can I bet you get to dress up in all kinds of fun outfits, don't you? She's like, what are some of your favorite outfits to dress up in? And he was like, oh, I like, uh, I do risky business sometimes and I just wear a tiny white. And, uh, and I, sometimes I'll put on a cowboy. And Jill's like, that's so fun. <laughs> and I just remember, like, that was the highlight of my night was watching Jill talk just like talk to the stripper and be so sweet to him like and really want to get to know everything about his life and like what makes you tick that is (laughs) so perfect so some of these stories are uh, what you would think sort of kind of like the story about that person that I knew a while back so this one redditor wrote was made of honor a year or so ago the bride got so drunk she tried to get on a random man who was in his 50s Vespa and ride away. When we pulled her off, she ran into the street to dance next to the cars. Thank God one of the bridesmaids was sober and helped her with damage control. It was a long weekend. That sounds fun, actually. I don't yeah. think she did anything too bad. Who doesn't want to ride on a man's Vespa? Right? That sounds that sounds fun. But this one right here is really funny. Um, it says the bachelorette party was at a mall at 11 a.m. <laughs> It said, you know how people do little dares as their bachelorette party, like take a picture with the hottest guy around, et cetera, et cetera. She did that at the mall. It was cringy. (laughs) At 11 a.m. Yeah, it was cringy. I had to wear a bridesmaid sash throughout the mall. Oh, my God. That's terrible. This one (laughs) says, the bride had decided that everyone would run a marathon with her and not in a do-your-best kind of way. We were all expected to run together and finish holding hands. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. No way. Like I like running (laughs) and like maybe one day if like – no, I'm never going to run a marathon. But, like, no. if somebody forced me to do something like that, I would – that's crazy. You can't force a friend to run a marathon. That is a crazy expectation. I know. This one said, my bridesmaids made the bride watch their boyfriend's softball game. My quote-unquote <laughs> girlfriends took me to watch their boyfriends play softball, and then we went to a fast food chili joint for dinner. Grounds for – unfriending oh yeah that's oh like my now God. i don't have bridesmaids <laughs> that is and maybe crazy. you shouldn't have asked those people to be bridesmaids in the first place it sounds like listen i didn't ever expect a lot you know from anybody you know not, i'm not saying my bridesmaids weren't i'm just saying like i never like i would never expect a lot yes. from people but if they made me go to a softball game <laughs> oh, i would no. cry i would just leave i'd be like please just don't i don't i don't want to do anything Oh my! Just like let's not do this. That's just so mean. <laughs> they obviously don't like her. You know what I mean? It was just oh such yeah, they an did the bare bare minimum. Yeah. Oh ma'am. <laughs> I I think I've told this before, but I took my my I was my brother's best person. Uh huh. Um, at That's his wedding. Sweet. Yeah, and I I took him to a, a comedy club. This was before that you I were performing doing stand-up. At? No, I was before oh, okay. I started doing stand-up. But can you, I mean, it's like we always make fun of bachelorette parties and bachelor parties at comedy clubs. And I totally did that. 
<laughs> I, I mean, I get it. I get why people come to do that. It's usually the first. It's usually the first show of the night. It's like yeah. they're getting going. They're getting everybody in a good mood. They're laughing. I think it's great when bachelorette parties come, as long as they don't like scream. I do too. I actually show. have. I have never had a bad experience with a bachelorette party. Knock mm-hmm. on wood. Um, I always find them very fun, but you know, I can also. I have been asked. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say I can also. I mean, I know that they can get out of control. They can get very like. We want to be the center of attention. I've gotten requests to perform at guys' bachelor parties, like a comedian. I'm like, that no. I'm not yeah. going to go to your hotel room and then tell you guys jokes. That sounds really unsafe. Oh, yeah. And, like, you guys are inviting <laughs> me to, like, if not murder me, to just, like, tell me how girls aren't funny. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And you get off on insulting women or something. You know what I mean? Like, that is just so weird to me that it's happened a few times. Oh, yeah. People love to think that they want comedians at their events, like yeah. birthday parties or, like, oh, my high school reunion or whatever. Like, I've been asked to do a lot of weird private events. And I always am like, look, you don't want a comedian. Like, yeah. you think you want a comedian, but what you want to do is hang out with these people and – I don't want to go a place where people are not all there to see a comedy. Exactly. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't want to go a place where people are surprised by a comedian. Uh, ambush Never comedy. a good idea. Um, yeah. This next one says, uh, the first bar we went to was a, this mainly empty dive bar that had two loose pit bulls just wandering around. <laughs> one of them bit a bridesmaid's leg, so we had to leave. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> Oh, no. This one says, technically didn't go to a bachelorette party, but the bride had hers on the same night as the groom's bachelor party, so we all met up after. One of the bridesmaids found out that her husband got a lap dance and threw a full bottle at him, then proceeded to go ape on him and punch him in the head. She said his life was over and she was taking his kids. Then the groom's sister and bride's cousin started fighting over nothing, which then escalated into a full fist fight between them. One of the groomsmen stepped between them to stop the fight, but got knocked back and hit his head on the porch column outside. His head bursts open and blood gushes like the elevator scene from The Shining. Then the bride's cousin punches, punched the groom's sister and gave her a black eye. The paramedics were called in, but the injured groomsman refused to have his head gashed, cleaned, or stitched. Even had an open head wound for the wedding. The worst part was the bride was asleep for all of this because she pre-gamed. So she woke up to everyone, woke up to people yelling and a crime scene full of blood. She called that night the worst disaster of her life. Holy shit. Oh my God. (laughs) Can you imagine? No. (laughs) That's just, yeah, it, it just sounds like none of you guys should be hanging out. No. At all. Like, I don't care if they're your family. I'm oh not invited. God. This one said, a college friend got married the summer after we graduated. Her husband had his bachelor party the weekend before in the same city, and he was honest about what they did that weekend, including going to a strip club. So for the bachelorette, things are normal, but we're having fun at a nice restaurant. But after a few drinks, the bride decides we need to go to the same strip club just to see what it was like. So we go. Uh-huh. 
The bride started crying when she saw the naked women dancing. The maid of honor, whose boyfriend was also at the bachelorette party, started crying. The sister of the bride started crying. (laughs) So there we are, about a dozen women at a strip club, a quarter of the group crying. What a way to celebrate getting married. Why aren't you surprised that there's naked women at a strip club? Yeah. This makes no sense to me. Like, did your boyfriend say, like, oh, it's like a, you know, they don't get totally nude? Or, like, what do you think is happening at a strip club? Oh, my God. That's like, yeah. Have you, how do you feel about your significant other going to strip clubs? That never bothered me. It doesn't bother me. I mean, Ben doesn't go he doesn't like them yeah um but i i mean of course he's been to them for like bachelor parties and stuff and so and i have no problem with that yeah i've just that just has never bothered me it's like you either trust him or you don't you know what i mean and also like i like going to strip club yeah i'm like it's it's fun like <laughs> they're pretty you know. yeah it's exactly fun. i'm like who doesn't want to look at pretty naked women i know I- I like, mean, I, I haven't been to an. It was so funny. Just the other night, we were in the green room at the Laughing Skull, and it was Nick Murphy's birthday. And so, um, Kita, do you know Sweet Baby Kita? Yeah. She was like um, joking. She was like, well, we don't have, we got to get somebody here to give Nick a lap dance. And she was like, Jen, go give Nick um, a white lady lap dance. And she was like, do it like, like high school cheerleader style. So I was jokingly like doing like a cheerleader dance. Nick wasn't even in the room. He had no idea. Yeah. This was I was joking, going like, go yeah. Nick. And then they were all talk, try, talking about strip clubs and they're like, what's that one that's like, it's off 75 and everybody's like, is it this? I was like, no, it's the diamond. And then everybody like, like Lisa Smith turns around and looks at me and everybody looks at me like, why do you know that? Like the mom in the room, like, why do you know the name? of? I was like, listen, I know all this. I've been here way longer than all of you guys. I know all of them, but I haven't been in a long time. Yeah. Me neither. Should we go? Yeah. Pick your favorite. (laughs) <laughs> just kidding <laughs> anyway um this last one that i'm gonna read can you tell i'm hyped up on caffeine i'm like let's all go to strip clubs <laughs> I'm let's, go. let's go i'll rent a limo we'll have great time steak dinner um <laughs> so anyway um this one says this is the last one i'll read it says my guests were all debbie downers it said we i was pregnant so we planned a chill dinner at my favorite restaurant then swine flu. My guests dropped like flies, and then it ended up a chill dinner for four. All good friends, all good. So there's me and guest one sitting there. Guest one gives me a tiara to wear. Fine. Now there's me with a tiara and <laughs> guest one sitting there. Guest two arrives. Guess two got married four months before this party, but arrives not wearing her wedding ring. Guess two has moved in with her parents and initiated divorce proceeding on the grounds that her husband managed to hide a hardcore drug addiction and a lot of debt until they were married. Guess two cries a lot. <laughs> Guess one and I are reeling and comforting when guest three arrives. Guess three is a doctor. And has no tact. As we're ordering food, she asked me about my vaginal secretions and the thickness of my cer- cervix. <laughs> the food arrives. It is good. Guest three takes the opportunity to inform me casually that someone I was very close to before I emigrated has died, young, tragically, and heroically. She goes into some fairy. Gra- 
fairly graphic detail. I'm bolting my food because fuck everything about this, but I'm still pregnant and hungry. (laughs) Suddenly, surprise guest four appears. She lives 400 miles away and wasn't coming. I think this is a lovely surprise, but she sits down and begins sobbing. She's home because her dad's currently having emergency heart surgery and she can't sit in his empty house and wait for the phone. Home by 10 p.m. That is the winner of worst bachelorette party ever. Oh my god, you poor thing. (laughs) You deserve a redo. You win. If we can find, okay, her name is, her redditor name is Eats Cake and Leaves. Great name. (laughs) Uh, If we can find Eats Cake and Leaves, I will pay for you to have a night out on the town. Yeah, I'm not paying for Come. your friends. I'm not paying for guests two, three, and four. I'm paying for no. Guests. They sound they suck. I'm paying for you. Yeah, <laughs> come to the strip club with us. Yes, <laughs> we're gonna have a great time. We're gonna have, we're gonna get a limo. We're gonna eat steaks. We're gonna have a great time. <laughs> Jen's gonna be given the dancers' lap dances. Yeah. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. I love that. I love a listicle. And that sounds like a lot of fun. Hey, Jen. Hey, Sally. Are you ready for a crazy story? I am. Okay. I got my information from a Portland Tribune article by Anne-Marie DiStefano and from Crime Victims United and from an episode of a show that I'm not going to tell you until later. It'll give it away. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay. So in October of 2001, Lonnie Feather, who was a 46-year-old glass artist uh, who lived in Portland, Oregon, went to talk to her financial advisor. She owned a glass studio and she was doing pretty well, but she had decided that she wanted to see about refinancing her house in order to grow the studio. And she'd always been super careful with her money. So this wasn't like something that she was worried about like she wasn't she didn't have any doubts that she would be able to do it she thought this is going to be a pretty straightforward transaction but then when the advisor ran a credit check he was surprised by what he found he shows her that on her credit report there are 14 new credit cards (gasps) that have been opened up in her name and they were carrying yes they were carrying over a thirty thousand dollars in debt and so lonnie is like okay this is crazy. Like I know I didn't open the credit cards, but immediately her mind went to one person, her boyfriend of eight months, Michael Hunter. So Lonnie and Michael had met 20 years before. Um, They had been friends, Lonnie, um, because she was a stained glass artist. She owned the studio and and Michael owned a business that sold glass. And so he was actually also an artist, but he, she had bought glass from him in the past. They had become friends Um, years ago, but they had lost touch. And then in 2001, out of the blue, Michael contacted her and Lonnie was like happy to hear from him. She, you know, they restarted their friendship as if no time had passed. Michael was living in Texas at the time and the two started talking on the phone and they started talking more and more. And Lonnie was, you know, she was a successful artist. She had a lot of friends and a community and family in the area, but she didn't she was single and she said she was lonely and she really enjoyed talking to Michael. And Michael also had a successful business in Texas, but he had always held a flame for Lonnie. And so it became clear that Michael was not just interested in like this friendship, but he was looking for something romantic. 
So after talking for a bit, they decided that they wanted to spend time together. They're both in their late 40s and single. And so when Michael suggested that he make a trip up to Portland where Lonnie lived, she was like, great. So he had an RV and he was like, I'm going to be traveling in my RV. So why don't I come and drive the RV to Portland? And she was like, great, you know, we're just getting to know each other. So you can park it at my house and, you know, he'll stay in the RV and they'll just see how things go. And if it didn't work out, he would leave. Right. Mm -hmm. So no pressure, but it was great. So he actually ended up staying for like eight months and they were really happy. Yeah. So, Lonnie really liked, she said he was really kind. He was thoughtful. Like everyone who met him was like, this is just a really nice guy. She'd come home from work and find flowers or gifts that he'd bought her. And it wasn't just all of these just, it wasn't just all like love bombing gestures. Like she Mm -hmm. said, you know, we had disagreements, but we were always able to talk through anything, which she thought was just, she says she remembers thinking, this is great. This is the kind of boyfriend that I want. And now she has this credit report. And although to her mind, like there had been no red flags before this, she's this very kind of like logical person. And she is like, the only person who had could have done this is Michael. So she drives home immediately and is like, I have to confront him. And so, you know, she's very calm. She's very straightforward. So she asks him, there are these things on my credit report. I need you to tell me if you open these cards in my name. And at this point, she's thinking like, worst case scenario, he did this, he could sell his RV, pay me the money, and then we just go our separate ways, right? But instead of denying it, Michael looks her in the eye and says, no, honey, remember, we talked about this. You applied for those credit cards. And he was like, isn't that creepy? He was like talking to her as if they had made some sort of arrangement for him to use these and she had applied for them and just forgotten. And she was like, no, that's just like not true. And so he gets up, goes out the door and gets in his RV and he's there for about 10 minutes. And all the while, Lonnie is just like, who is this person? What is happening? And so he comes back to the house He pauses at the steps and then he comes in the front door and Lonnie is thinking, okay, he went and had to think about some things and now we're going to resume this conversation. And so he walks over to her and reaches out and, you know, like he'd done like countless times to give her a hug, but suddenly he's not giving her loving touch on the shoulder, but he is putting pressure on her neck (gasps) in a way that she is like, starts to feel like she's passing out. He was restricting the blood flow to her carotid artery. And as she's going black, <gasps> she looks into his eyes and says he is completely cold. Oh, my she God. Says, that's terrifying. Isn't that terrifying? She said he suddenly looked like a total stranger. And she thinks this person is a monster. <gasps> and then everything goes black. Oh, my God. I know. So what Lonnie didn't know about her new boyfriend, Michael Hunter, was that at the time that he came up to stay with her in Portland, he was on the run from police in Texas. There was a warrant out for his arrest on charges of fraud because he had stolen millions from his business partners. So she had said, like, you know, he seemed successful. He had this business. I didn't think of anything. You know, I didn't think anything of like I thought he had his own money. He projected like an air of success. Um, But of course, like all those flowers and presents that he had been buying her were all bought with her own money, with those credit cards. So Lonnie comes to 
And Michael is standing over <gasps> her and he has this like weird look and he goes, oh, you passed out. You must not be feeling well. It's like as if he's trying to trick her into thinking, oh, my God, I passed out. Holy shit. Yeah. But she doesn't say anything, but she's like, what the fuck? You just like did some weird thing and pinched my neck and made me pass out. And so she is like just trying to she's like, I have to get out of here. So she's trying to stand up. She steadies herself. She's on the couch and all she can think is to slowly move herself towards the back of the house to get away because right outside of the back of her house is where her glass studio is and there are people working in there. So she's like, if I can just get out of the back of my house, I can get to people. But Michael sees what she's doing and he is like, will not let her out of the house. And that is when she sees him raise his arm, which is holding a handgun. <gasps> and he brings the gun down on her head. Oh my God. So she's back on the ground and she hears what she says is the most terrifying sound of her life. She hears a gunshot <gasps> and then another. Oh my God. And he has shot her in the head. Oh my God. And she's to, awake for it? Yes. So two bullets at her head. One enters her cheek, shattering her left jaw and goes through her neck and clips the top of her vertebrae. Oh my God. The second one skimmed the top of her head. And at this point, she has fallen back on the couch and he comes over, looks at her, picks up a pillow, puts it over her head, puts the gun up against it, and pulls the trigger two more times. So the third bullet entered and ex exited the back of her skull, leaving multiple fractures. And then the, four, the fourth actually missed entirely. But despite being shot a total of four times, she was still conscious. Oh, wow. Oh, my she God. She said, yes. So she said, I felt like I was totally conscious and aware. My brain was working. I was going through a list of things, assessing how I was going to survive this. So she said, in that moment, I made a clear decision first to live. Then secondly, I decided that the only way for me to survive this was to outwit him. I didn't think I could fight him. And I didn't think that I even had the strength to get up and dash for the door. So she slumped down on the couch and she decided she was going to play dead. She says she didn't remember any pain. Um, she said she does remember you hear that people say like they'll be shot and they won't even know it. Um, I mean, she was she just said there was like a heavy sensation around her head. She couldn't hear very well. She had this like buzzing, vibrating sound. And she said she had to ask herself, am am I alive or am I dead? And she said, OK, well, if I'm a, if I'm dead, there will be a white light. <laughs> and so she's like, there's no white light. So I'm not dead. And then. She laid there pretending she was dead for four hours. Oh, my God. Michael, who thought she was dead, walks over to the computer and starts playing video games on the computer. And she realizes that he is waiting for dark to move her body. And every once in a while, he would come over to the couch and just like casually like lift up the pillow and look at her and... She said she was with it enough. She would hear him coming and she would hold her breath and keep as still as possible in those moments. So he would believe she was dead. I need to stay smart in order to survive this. And somewhere he's going to make a mistake. So she's laying there. She's not moving. She has two 
three bullet holes in her head. And she knew that the later it got, the lower her chances are at survival because she knows he's just waiting for dark. So because that is when people will be gone from her studio and that is when he can move her body to the car. So. Oh my God. For four hours, she remained completely still while her killer sat just feet away. And she started to think, I'm, I might not survive this. I might die. But then she started to feel like she was surrounded by her friends and family. She said she could physically feel them there with her. And she said one by one, she felt her family and friends visiting her. Apparently her dad had died the year before. She said she felt his presence, which she found very comforting. And then she imagined talking to her mother, who was still alive. And she imagined telling her mother, you will not have to go through another funeral. I will get through this. And then she caught a break. There was a knock at the door. A neighbor had come over. And so she hears Michael open the door and like kind of step out onto the porch so that the person can't see into the house. And so she was like, this is my chance. She sat up, she reached for the phone and it's a cordless phone. So she was like, I'm just praying it is in the cradle. Right. And it was, so she dials 911. She quickly gives her address and says, I've been shot. And then she disconnects the call and lays back down hoping that Michael would not know that she had made the call at all. So when he walks back in, the phone is ringing because apparently 911 has to call back. And so Michael answers the phone and it's clear, like Lonnie can hear that this is the 911 operator. And she hears Michael telling the person, no, everything's fine here. Like I, no one called you. Like everything's fine. She says she sees him like pacing in front of her with a gun. And now she's worried because she's like, I might, lose consciousness and die before the police get here. He keeps talking to this 911 operator and she's like, I don't know why the police aren't here. Like I told them I was shot. And every so often she said during the conversation, Michael would hold out the phone and be like, Lonnie, they say they want to talk to you. Tell them it was just a minor disagreement. And she said, she was like, I'm not going to fall for that. Like she's continued to give no indication that she was alive or alert or anything. And at that point, the police negotiators get on the call with Michael. And so they are like, this is a hostage situation. And Michael stays on the phone with police for another three fucking hours. Oh, my God. Yeah. So Lonnie has not moved this whole time. She is just listening to him on the phone and he seems calm. And she's like, it's like he's trying to calm, charm the police. And it has been seven hours since he shot her and she can tell the police are outside because she can see the lights but nobody's coming in she's like nobody is coming to save me and she is like losing consciousness and so finally she's like i i have to do something so she sits up and says i'm not gonna make it you have to let them come in and get me you need to give yourself up and he pauses he looks at her with that cold dead fish face and then he just goes on to his with this conversation like she had never even spoke or sat up or had he thought she was dead for seven hours oh my god but then a few minutes later without saying a word to her he she hears him telling the officer that he was gonna come out the door and he gave himself up he just walked out of the front door and he was michael was immediately apprehended by a swat team an officer rushed into the house and lonnie says all she could think was that she was saved and she says she describes like seeing the first officer dressed in all black he had goggles and like a gun and she said he looked like an angel so approximately eight hours after being shot Lonnie was finally taken to the hospital and she was only there for nine days 
And she wow. made a full recovery. She stayed at her mother's house. Her mom also lives in Portland. Her family actually, while she was in the hospital, packed up all of her belongings in her house because they assumed, of course, she's like no longer going to want to live at the scene of the crime. But Lonnie says that while she was at the hospital, she said, I quickly made a series of resolutions. She said he wasn't going to take anything away from me. And that included my house. And she decided to stay and she lives there to this day. Wow. Um, Yeah. She said she decided this wasn't my fault. I wasn't going to carry any shame about it. She said victims get blamed a lot, especially with domestic violence. And she said, I wasn't going to be one of those those women that people don't want to hear about violence against women is an epidemic. This happens. I am not alone. So she went back to her house. She went back to her business. Michael made a plea deal. He was sentenced to 15 years of prison in Portland. And after which he'll be transferred to Texas to serve 20 years for the fraud charges. Um, Yeah. And so since recovering, Lonnie has worked with other survivors of domestic violence. She's also worked for a gun awareness nonprofit called ceasefire And she says that she wants to, the message she wants to convey about her experience, she actually, the only interview she ever gave was I Survived, which was the the TV show. Um, And she said she did it because she could tell her own story. She didn't want anything to be like, she didn't want any reenactments or anything to be sensationalized. Right. She just wanted other people to know about her experience. And she said she wanted people to know that life continues, that we can have a joyful, full, rich, happy life beyond something that you think is the most terrible thing that could ever happen. Wow. Which I think is amazing. So, and she is a, she's an artist. She's like a really uh, talented and amazing artist. And you can see her artwork at LonnieFeather.com. Wow. That's amazing. Isn't that crazy? I mean, how, first of all, just to be shot in the head and then to have the wherewithal to just be like, okay, I'm just going to. I'm going to outsmart this person and have to sit there for fucking seven hours. That's just like unfathomable. I really, all of it, every part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, Yeah. So anyway, isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Wow. Good story. Wow. I'm so glad she's okay. Yes. And she's like, okay. And she's thriving. Yeah. Yeah. Good for her, man. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to look at her art and just see what she's doing. Yeah, we have a lot of googling to do once this episode is recorded. <laughs> so many googles. <laughs> hey Sally. Hey Jen. Are you ready for a love story? I'm so ready for a love story. Good. It's about Stanley and his wife, Stanley, the comic book writer and creator. So, what's crazy is I remember. Um, do you like Marvel? My kids are obsessed with Marvel, like all things Spider-Man, just the whole, all of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I, I, no, I like it. I like, I like superhero movies. I like Spider-Man movies, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not, I don't know much about it. So yeah, my kids are um pretty obsessed. I do know who Stanley is. Okay, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> but they've seen all of the movies. They're especially, yeah. they especially love Spider-Man. We just got back from Universal Studios and my daughter, um, you know, got her Spider Gwen doll, and she had to ride all the spider the Spider Man ride, and then she had to get her face painted like Venom, which was an interesting choice. And um, <laughs> very telling. So, yes, I know. <laughs> I know. But I remember years ago, I love going to the Dragon Con parade every year. It's like one of my favorite things to do. I really want to go. I we've you know I think the first year we were here that you know it happened. It was our first two years. It was um, COVID. 
Well, it was, you know, Max was like too little, but now, oh, yeah. like, and then COVID. And so, yeah, I really. Well, I've been taking, actually, my Sully's very first Dragon Con parade was when I was pregnant with him. <laughs> I actually gave birth to him like three weeks later. But, and then they've been going every year, except for the couple of years that it has been, um, I, I guess, was it just one year that it's been canceled because of COVID or two? I, it's all a blur. But yeah. I remember like my son watching the parade. This was a few years back and just like being in awe of everything that was all Marvel and Stan Lee. And, you know, and he was like, and he said to me, he was like, God, Stan Lee is in all of this. Like he created all of this. And I was like, yeah, like, isn't it wild to think that one man's brain and ideas that he had created all of this? Yeah. Like this entire, like, you know, like Walt Disney's brain, you know, created like an entire universe. And so it was like, it was kind of inspiring to him to be like, yeah, you, you can do great things. And like, you know, you can really put your, mind to paper and create an entire world. So what I thought was so interesting is when I found this article that he says that the entire Marvel universe was actually thanks to his wife. <gasps> yeah. Oh. That he loved so much. My information is from the Washington Post written by Dave Kindy. Stanley talks about how the entire universe began with what he did best, which was sketching. He used to love to sketch. And in 1947, after he had served in the U.S. Army during uh, World War II, he was in New York City working for a company called Timely Comics, which was mm-hmm. like the company before it was Marvel Comics. Okay. And so when, when he wasn't, you know, creating superheroes like the X-Men or Black Panther, he would just take out his pad and sketch sketch and draw the woman that one day he would plan to marry. So he like created this woman in his mind and he would sketch her every single day. And so the woman created her with like vibrant red hair and it's a sparkling eyes and full lips. And he would work on it every day, just drawing this woman that he created in his mind. And he would, you know, make little tweaks to her every day and just like create the perfect woman in his mind. And then one day in 1947, his best friend saw the drawing. And then he said to her, to Stanley, I know her. And he was like, no, this is like a fake person. This is just, that's not a yeah, real person. Like a and he was like, nope, I know this person. I know where she lives and she's a hat model. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> very 1947. Yes. And so um, Stanley got her dress. And then the very next day he went and met his dream girl. He told uh, the interviewers, he said, there before me was the most beautiful creature on God's earth. Then when she opened her mouth and spoke with a lilting British accent, which I loved, the first words out of my mouth were, I'm going to marry you. But the problem was, there was a couple of problems. For when this woman's name was Joan, and she was actually married to someone else at the time. All right. Um, That is a problem. Yeah. Which apparently later in an interview, uh, she told uh she said that her first marriage was quote a huge mistake so they dated while she was married but when stanley proposed to her is when she decided to get a divorce yeah the other problem was that stanley wasn't the only man that was in love with her there were actually like several men that were vying for the attention of the soon-to-be single joan so joan's married has suitors they're all in love with her and she's about to get married and everybody's like i gotta be the the next 
person that she marries. So Stanley, he flew to Reno to be with her when she got the divorce because he said that he needed to maximize his chances by being there with her when she got divorced. So he's like, I'm swooping in the moment. Yeah, divorced. Just an hour after Joan's divorce was final um, from the the first marriage, they got married in a ceremony officiated by the same exact judge who granted her divorce. Isn't that wild? But (laughs) so even though it's a crazy way that they got together, they ended up being married for sixty nine years. See, when you know, you know, man. Yeah, and so um, sometimes. (laughs) <laughs> they were married until jo- when Joan passed away at 93 years old back in um, 2017. And then Stanley died a year later at um, the age of 95. So they were together for the rest of their lives. Wow. And so not a lot of people know that um, his wife, who we called Joni, was actually the um, inspiration for Mary Jane Watson, which is Peter Parker's first love in Spider-Man. That's what I was picturing. Yeah. But why he credits her for being responsible for the Marvel Universe is that in 1961, Stan was really frustrated at work. Um, Apparently, his first publisher, Martin Goodman, um, he insisted that his the comic books he wanted the comic books to go in a different direction he wanted a lot of action and a lot of fight scenes and not a lot of dialogue which really bothered him and but stanley who's known for like his funny jokes and wisecracks and fleshed out characters was really frustrated and he was ready to quit and so he was ready to give up comics altogether. And then Joni told him, why don't you do one book the way you want to do it? And she said, the worst thing that's going to happen is that they'll fire you, but you want to quit anyway. So at least you'll have gotten it out of your system. So just do like one book. And so he ended up doing that. And he worked with a freelance artist named Jack Kirby. And that's when they created the Fantastic Four comic book, which ended up selling like crazy. And then, so then right after that, the Marvel universe started to boom. And then because of that, he was able to uh, create Iron Man, the Incredible Hulk, Thor, Daredevil, the entire Marvel universe. So he told interviewers, Joan gave me the world's greatest advice and she's responsible for my universe. Wow. Oh, that's so sweet. And it's, yeah, it's, it's so sweet. She supported him and then it, he followed her advice, but that also that he's, he really, obviously it's his mind created everything and he's so yeah. talented beyond words, but that he is so humble enough to be like, you know, it was my wife who created this. Yeah. And that's so sweet. I just I thought it was that. an interesting, I just thought it was really interesting because I've always, it's something I usually say to Sully whenever he's like wanting to write something or create something. I'm always like, forget like you know think (laughs) of all your favorite people and like you know george lucas and you know stan lee and all the amazing things that they created and so it's kind of wild to know that she had a big part in it and also i just i just think the way that they got together was really unique it's not (laughs) yeah normally that's very cringy but it worked out for them and they were together for the rest of their lives so yeah Mm-hmm. I think it's beautiful. I love yeah. it. I love that story. I just thought it was cool, man. It is cool, man. Thanks. Should we do uh, uh, something dumb and something we love? Yes. Let's do it. We should. You go first. Okay. You know, I don't know what is dumb this week. I, I you know, I'm still kind of, I think as everybody reeling from all of the news about um, war in Ukraine and think that, that that's that is that's dumb. It's really it's heartbreaking and just um, 
it's scary. But the thing that I love, Jen, is that it is my sister-in-law Tasha's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Tasha. Yeah. Um, and she's awesome. And I just hope that she has an amazing day. And I love, so I was texting with her and she was like, the only thing I wanted to do today was get my hair done. But then her uh, hairdresser canceled at the last minute because oh, they were sick. And so she's like, man. And so then she had my brother do her hair and she sent me pictures and it looks so good. That <laughs> is like, so that sweet. Is the sweetest thing ever. I just love it. And she was like, I think he did a pretty good job considering he had not done it since like the beginning of COVID. I was like, that is pretty amazing. Like, That's so um, cool. So Tasha, happy birthday. I hope that uh, those boys treated you well and you had a great day and a great weekend. Happy and... birthday, Tasha. Yeah. I love a Pisces. Um, I love a Pisces. Never met a Pisces I didn't like. Oh, you know? I don't know what that is, but yeah. <laughs> Astrology. For something dumb, I agree with Sally. Um, the ongoing uh, war and crisis right now in Ukraine is very dumb, and my heart goes out to everyone that is affected. And thank you guys to everybody that uh, listened last week. And um, and thank you guys, um, everyone, that if you happen to donate to any of the charities that we listed last week, um, that's really wonderful. And thank you for supporting Um I just wanted to say for something I love, I really wanted to give a shout out to our bud, a uh, friend of the podcast. Uh, you, you guys have heard us talk about the fourth and 10 guys uh, that we love so much. They're our buddies here in Atlanta and they have a really great podcast called fourth and 10. It's Damon Sumner, Nathan Owens and um, David Perdue. And the, the sweetest boys of comedy, the sweet boys of comedy. They're really <laughs> wonderful. And um, so I just wanted to give, um, them a shout out and but also um announced um damon sumner recorded an album it's called i know who i am and you can now pre-order it it's available on i think it's on amazon and itunes uh, it is okay yeah. so if you go on amazon or itunes and you look up uh damon sumner uh i know who i am you can go ahead and um pre-order his album now uh we've I've known Damon a long time. He's one of the funniest comics. He's such a wonderful yeah. person, such a great dad, and you're going to love his stuff. If you have kids, if you're married, even if you're not, he's just so funny and um, and just the, one of the best guys in the world. So definitely yes. check him out and go ahead and pre-order his album. I can't wait for the album release. It's going to be so fun. Yeah. And um, I just wanted to give him a shout out. Also, also Nathan Owens just recorded an album too. And yes. so as soon as his album is ready, we'll be shouting that out as well. Because we love our dudes. We love them so much. We love those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So go get okay. those. Uh, and then, you know, reach out to us. Reach out to us. Just yeah. like uh, give us a give us a little shout out. We love uh, hearing from you guys. You can find us on all our socials at Dumb Love Podcast. You can email us at dumblove at gmail.com. Uh, you could rate and review. Uh, you could tell a friend. We would love that. We would love that. We love hearing from you. It always makes my day. And um, don't forget to get out there and do something dumb for love. Dumb, da-dum, dumb, 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 dumb,